2 Corinthians chapter number 3, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, we're going to begin tonight uh, and pick up in verse number 12. The last time we looked at the scripture here, we, we didn't do it last week, uh, we wind up having prayer meeting instead, uh, but uh, we looked at the thought from glory to glory, how that the law glory of the law has nothing to compare to the glory of grace and how that what glory the law had was a fading glory a glory that was doing away and being done away with but the glory that we have in Christ is an eternal glory it is one that is forever and and, uh, and well that glory that was to be done away continuing on the same thought tonight but it's just a little uh, maybe just changing gears a little bit we're going to look at the subject of the openness of grace you say what in the world are you talking about just hold on if you will and uh, let's read the scripture and then we'll find out what the apostle Paul is saying to the church at Corinth remember what's taking place at Corinth at this time remember the Judaizers has came in there they're spreading their false doctrine. They're telling of how that they, you, you get saved by grace, but you keep it by the law. It sounds like a lot of these off-the-wall churches that you hear today that say the same thing. You get saved by grace, but you've got to work to keep it. and You've got to do something real good to keep it. Well, the thing about it is we didn't do nothing real good to get it. There's nothing that we, we done in ourselves. If you've done something to get saved, you didn't get saved. I don't mean to be ugly, and I don't mean to bust your bubble, but salvation is not, an, is not a merit. It is a gift. The Bible said it's a gift of God. And it's not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you find your place in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to begin to read with verse number 12, if you're, you can and you're able, uh, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God? The Bible said, the Apostle Paul said, Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, <coughs> even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you again for letting us come to the house of God this evening. Thank you, God, that it's already been a good place for me to be. And I'm, I'm thanking you, God, for what you've done for us in our hearts already. Uh, Lord, I'm so unworthy of everything that you've done for me. 
And I'm certainly unworthy of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful for the sweet gift of God that you gave us, Lord, that when you give us the opportunity that we could believe the report and believe your Son and have eternal life. I'm grateful for the hour, for the day, for the moment, God, that when I put my faith totally up in Him, upon Him, God, you saved me not because you were duty-bound, but because you wanted to. God, because you love me, and I don't understand your love, there's no way for me to even try to talk about it and explain it away. But God, I sure am glad to be a recipient of your love tonight. And I thank you, God, that you've blessed us to come this way. Would you help us tonight, Lord, as we try to stand and just break the bread of life? I pray, God, that you would help us. God, would you help my, my speech and help me to say the things God, open up our minds to understanding. Help us, Lord, to see clearly the precious Word of God. Bless all that said to pray for me, God, the many requests. Most especially, Lord, do not help those that's lost. And we'll praise you, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The openness of grace. The Bible uses symbols and metaphors and and types, if you will, to, to sometimes get the message across that the readers need to have. We, uh, we, we find that the Scripture will teach us that uh, things through types and shadows is what we, we call them, those things that we read of in the Old Testament uh, that would point us in the direction of the Lord Jesus or would, would point us in the direction of grace. At this particular place... Uh, we find that Paul has, uh, is using the veil of Moses uh, to illustrate the open freedom, if you will, of the Christian life under grace. Now, well, that's what we're, we're looking at here and what we're going to look at. Paul, when he, when, when he would read uh, and when the Jews would read, I, I, like I've already told you before, I, uh, there's something about when, when, when those Jewish people get born again. When they get saved, they can see things about the Scripture and especially about the Old Testament that I really, I really can't pull out, Brother Joe. Brother Samuel Frigid here, I mean, just amazed me. Exodus 12, back during, uh, during camp meeting when he taught on the, on the Passover and that when he opened up that Bible and began to, to open, pull out the Scripture and, and man, things that he brought out there, if you were here, uh, then, then, man, what a great blessing. Well, if you wasn't here and you didn't get to hear it, get a copy of that and listen to it. Uh, we got a copy back there. Get it. Get Brother Stephen to make you a copy and listen to that, uh, that message because uh, what, what, what he is able to do is pull out things from the Word of God that you and I aren't sure of because we didn't come from that background. All right? Now, when, when we look at the Scripture here, Paul saw a dip, deeper illustration of the veil that Moses wore than what you and I see. I preached about that veil for 37 years. I preached about it for, for, for quite some time, how that Moses, how that Joshua brought the veil and put it me, you know, Moses wore that veil. I learned some things in the past couple of weeks about that veil that I did not know. I really did. I, and, and, and some of it is that, that, that Paul understood more about the, the book of Exodus chapter 34. Turn with me over there real quickly, if you will. The 34th chapter of the book of Exodus, and, and we're going to just read just a few verses, Scripture verses 29, uh, through the uh, remaining part of the chapter, 
there. And, and this is about the time in which that Paul is speaking to you and I about in the writings of, that he's writing to the, book of, to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. The Bible said in verse number 29 of, of Exodus 34, And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. Moses talked with them. And afterwards all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And till Moses had, had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. All right. But when Moses went before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. <coughs> and he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses', Moses face shone, and Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Now, uh, there's a whole lot right there that I read, Brother Bradley, that I really didn't understand. I often thought that this was a one-time occasion. This was a one-time experience. This was what happened one time when Moses received the commandments. But from what I'm gathering from the Scripture and after reading others, this was something that happened from that day forward. This was something that happened from that day on until Moses' life had expired that Moses would what would that, that glory of the Lord would shine upon Moses. That, that glory of the Lord was evident there. And, and he wore that veil. But now, listen, according to what, what we read, we, we find that there's a reason beyond just his face shining, the reason he would wear that veil. We'll get to it now. Y'all stay with me. We'll get to it in just a few minutes. Number one, I want to look tonight at the historical event. The Bible tells us in verses 12 and 13 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, listen to what he said, Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look, notice this, to the end of that which is abolished. Now, what Paul has said here is that, that he put that veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look to the end of that which is abolished. Now, we know that, that the, the law was the, uh, the, the schoolmaster and the law is that which brings us and, and the, the law is never to be totally done away with. I'm not with this group today uh, that, that calls everybody a legalist for having standards and convictions. Uh, and I'm not with this group that says you, you can just live and do any way you want to in the world and, and just claim Jesus and everything's okay. No, you see, that, the, the law was our schoolmaster. The law was given to us to, to bring us and to point us in the direction 
of one Savior and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the law was given so that you and I could, could have the privilege of knowing that we are sinners. It is a privilege to know that we are a sinner. And without the law, we would never have known that we come short of the glory of God. Without the law, we would have never known that we are insufficient when it comes to the goodness and the grace of God. The ministry of grace is a ministry, if you will, of increasing glory. It is not a ministry of decreasing glory. Now, the glory that Moses had at this particular time, notice what he said here in verse 13 again, that Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Notice what, what we're finding here. What Moses had the veil over his face. And it was, it was, it was to show that, that, you know, that they couldn't see him when he was glowing. But at the longer he stayed away and the longer he was not with God and he was not in the presence of God, Brother Philip, that glow began to diminish. That glow began to go away. And what they could not see either was that that glow fading away. And they saw that Moses was not receiving the, having the glory of God at that time. Their hope may have failed. Their hope may have floundered. It may have went backwards. But what we find here in the scripture is that Moses knew that. And I didn't, I didn't like I said, there's a whole lot about this uh, that I never understood. But Paul, unlike Moses here, is teaching us that that. That, that he had, Paul, in the glory that he's got, uh, the, the glory that he has and the glory that we have under grace, uh, we've got nothing to hide. We've got nothing to conceal. We've got nothing to, to cover up. It's all been brought out in the open at Calvary. It's all been brought out in the open. It's been paid for. It's been tended to. It's been uh, completed. It's finished, thank God, of the finished work of Calvary. Moses' face would shine when he came from communing with God, and Israel saw that, and they were impressed with that. Uh, but Moses knew that his glory was not a permanent glory. Ain't that something? He knew that this glory was not permanent and would fade away. Uh, so when a uh, finished teaching, he had put the veil back on his face until he went to meet with the Lord again. When he meant to meet with the Lord again, he'd take it off. The Lord would, he would, he would, he would uh, fill him again. <laughs> kind of remind, it's a, good rem, it's a good reminder, isn't it? Boy, we need to meet with the Lord as often as we can, don't we? But I'm going to tell you something. The glory that God gives us, it's, uh, it's not in us and it's not in our ability and it's not in the works. Uh, he lives within us, thank God. Uh, we don't go in and out, but He lives with us and He stays with us uh, and He goes with us and He's forever and He's eternal. He is the Savior. And I'm grateful today uh, that this thing that we have, uh, this openness of grace, uh, it's not something that we must merit or earn, but it's the gift of God and it's eternal. It's forever and it's forever settled in heaven. This, uh, uh, this uh, prevented them, this, these children of Israel, uh, from seeing the glory of Moses disappear. The word end in verse 13 <coughs> means to purpose and to finish. So when we see verse 13 that they could not, the Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Now the law is not abolished by the way okay the law is not abolished the law was fulfilled the law has I, I, them folks that say the law is done away with oh no sir 
The law is not done away with. It's just been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Uh, the law is not, it's still the law of God. It, and, and listen, uh, it's, it's not a bad thing, but I'm glad for grace, ain't you? Woo, hallelujah. I'm thankful for grace. I'm glad I hadn't got to be judged by the, the things of the law. I'm thankful that God has, uh, has finished this for us. And the veil prevented the people from seeing the glory of Moses, not only when his face shone, but it prevented them from seeing that glory fade away. Now, they were not ready. Here it is. These, these people at this time, and Mo, we read about in, in Exodus 34, they were not ready to be told that the law was a temporary thing as far as their salvation depending upon it. It never did depend upon the law. Their salvation has always been by grace. Anybody that's ever been saved, that ever has been born again, has always got saved by grace. But the children of Israel and Jews even to this day, in their way of thinking and practicing Jews, seem to think that that, that law or the keeping of that law is what's going to get them to heaven. And they're really not ready to be told that there was something greater that was coming. Brother Bradley's been teaching on that something greater on Sundays in Sunday school. Thank God for something greater. Ain't you glad for something greater? So we see that, that there was, a, first of all, the, there was the historical event. Number two, I want us to look at the, the national application of this. 2 Corinthians 3 and verses 14 through 17. The Bible said here, but their minds were blinded. Here's uh, the application of this thing. It's a national event uh, it's, uh, to, the, to the children of Israel. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now, y'all know what the Old Testament does. I've told y'all this last time. The, uh, you go to any book, any chapter, any, any scripture in the Word of God, and if you read it in context, let me tell you what it's going to do. If you're from Genesis to Malachi, it's going to point you that there's coming a Messiah. There is a Savior coming, and He's going to take away the sins of the world. And listen, if you, if you know anything about the historical event of the Lord Jesus coming to this earth and paying the debt of sin, and you read Isaiah, there's no way that you can stop and say that He's not the Messiah. But there's a, there's a veil there. There is a blindness. There is something that they cannot see and they're unwilling to see. I, and you know what? There's only one, and I don't want to get my, the cart ahead of the horse, but, but there ain't but one thing that's going to take that veil away, friend, and that's the good Holy Ghost of God. He's the only thing that's going to remove it, roll it back out of the way, and that's accompanied by the Word of God. I'm talking about the truth. That's the only thing that's going to remove that veil so they can see the truth. There is a national application Remember that Paul's burden was to see his people saved. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, Paul said this, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul was seeing, y'all think about this now. Here's a Jew 
And here is a Jew of Jews. Here is a, a, one that graduated from the high-ranking of Pharisee. Some say he was of the Sanhedrin. I don't know that. Don't have no historical account. But they say that he was a member of the Sanhedrin. Quite possibly could. We know he was, fit, he was schooled at the feet of Gamaliel. And he was knowledgeable of the entire law. One day on Damascus Road, he had a life-changing experience that Jesus came to where he was. I'm glad for the day that Jesus came to where I was. Amen. I may not have had a Damascus Road experience, but I'm telling you, I got saved the same way that Paul got saved. I got born again the same way that Paul got born again. And if you ever been born again, you got born again the same way also. That is uh, believing that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that he is the King of kings. He's the Savior. We find that Paul had that experience. And from that time, God began to put in his heart a burden for souls. Paul was seeing so many Gentiles. So many Gentiles saved. At the same time, he was seeing Jews reject the Lord Jesus. His people, his kinsmen, his brethren according to the flesh. Why? Why were they doing that? The same reason they do it today. Do y'all, I don't know how many of you know it, but do y'all know who the, the, who the, the Jews and the Jewish religion say is the, the originator of the Christian church today? They say it's Paul. Most Jews hate the Apostle Paul. They hate his goods. They, they really cannot stand him. Because of his burden, of his stand, of his preaching of the gospel, going into the world, they say that he is the originator of the Christian church. So, but, but Paul was witnessing and seeing these Gentiles saved and those Jews were rejecting the Lord and the question may be why why are they rejecting why are they rejecting him today is because that veil that spiritual veil is still there that spiritual veil is still over their face you see uh, they can they can read Old Testament and they can read Isaiah 53. And they don't see Jesus there. They, if they did, they probably don't want to read Isaiah 53. They, they can read in the Scripture, and they can read about the Trinity of the Godhead in Genesis in the beginning of let us make man and in the beginning God and how and they can and they don't want to see all of this of their the Trinity of the Godhead or nothing because uh, they, they, they don't want to, that, that veil is over their eyes. They're, they've been steeped in their religion. They were blinded, if you will, by their own religion. And can I tell you, that don't just happen to Jews. People get blinded by their religion. You better, you, you better not get blinded by religion. You better keep your eyes open. You better keep your heart open. You better see the Word of God. Acts chapter 28, verse number 27, Paul's describing them. These Jews, and this is what he said about him. He said, For the heart of, their, of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. 
Their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts should be converted and I should heal them. Paul said, here's the problem with them. You know what I got to thinking about though? That's about the same problem with every lost person. Every person that never has been saved. Every person that's been raised up sitting in an old time church hearing old time preaching but never has believed and never has been born again. The reason they're not saved is because their eyes or their ears are dull of hearing. They've heard it so much. Listen, I believe there's people that's gotten gospel calloused. They've been gospel calloused. They've been preached at and preached to. And they've just been calloused by the gospel. Not only have their, have their ears have they closed or dull of hearing, but he said their eyes have they closed. They don't want to see the truth. They don't want to, first of all, see themselves as being lost. They don't want to see themselves as, being need, as, as needing anything. Well, I am sufficient in myself. Their pride is built up. The Jewish people, if you hadn't figured it out already, they're very prideful people and they're proud of their, where they come. I thank God for the Jewish people. I'm not down. I'm not anti-Semitic at all, okay? Them's God's people. God loves them. And they're still special. Uh, ain't no denying it. You say, does he love them more than he loves me? No, he don't. But i tell you what he does. He loves them. He loves them. They're his chosen people. And you know what God wants to do today? God still wants to save them, everyone. You know what Jesus died for? He died to save every one of them. Matter of fact, he said he didn't come for, but he told us in his ministry that he came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Ain't that something? Well, ain't you glad that God turned to the Gentiles? I know that God had a plan to save, save mankind all the time. But listen, I believe this. Uh, I believe our time come a little earlier because the Jews rejected it. Now let me tell you something about this veil. This veil can be removed. But it can only be removed by the Spirit of God. No one, no one can come to Christ apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. I love hearing Brother Samuel and Brother Daniel talk about Brother Daniel's experience. Brother Daniel Freed going into his uncle's library of all the thousands of books there he reaches and somebody had given him his uncle, his Jewish rabbi uncle that had just died. Somebody had given him a King James Bible. And of all those thousands of books you don't think there's a Holy Ghost that directs things. He reached and grabbed that King James Bible and drug it out of that bookshelf and sat down and started reading the story of Jesus. As he read it, he began to believe the report. And he believed it to the point of being born again. He didn't close it up and go to the house then, but I tell you, he kept reading it. And the more he read it, he said, you know what? When I read this and I read what Baptists believe, I believe that this here lake makes me a Baptist and I'm going to be a Baptist. He went and joined himself to a Baptist church, got baptized. 
All because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. It started, where do you want it? What, oh, that's just providence. You say providence all you want to. The providence of God. That was just coincidence, oh no. I believe God the Holy Ghost directed his hand at which book he'd grab by that bookshelf. I believe God opened up, when, when, when he opened up the book, I, he could have opened up to the law and began to read there. But some reason or other, he began, opened it up and began to read the story of the, of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he died for. What God did was he, when the Holy Ghost was there, he removed that veil and let him see the truth. Let him see the truth. You ought to get Brother Samuel to tell you about that thing. Some better than that, you ought to let Brother Daniel tell you. He's almost good at telling Brother Samuel is. You're talking about a blessing just to, to know that God can divinely direct your path and my path. Nobody can come to, come to God without the, without the work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 said, Now the Lord is that Spirit. Y'all see that? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Now the Lord is that Spirit. You know what that is? Uh, that's Paul telling those Jews, Judaizers, uh, now the Lord is a triune Lord. There's a God, but the Lord is also the Spirit. God, matter of fact, John said something like this, God is the Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That bunch of Judaizers that had come into Corinth and said, now you get saved by grace, but you keep it by your works. You keep it by keeping the law. Paul's saying it didn't work that way. God's done removed the veil from our eyes and we've seen the truth. Under, the old, under this old covenant way, they had that veil, but now there's a better way. The way better is the Lord Jesus. Bold statement that Paul made when he said that the Lord, now the Lord is that Spirit. It showed the deity of the Holy Spirit of God. The Judaizers that had invaded the church at Corinth were depending on the law. Listen to me. They were depending on the law to change men's lives. Brother, I'm telling you, legalism can change your life a little bit. But it's not lasting. It's not lasting. I've seen too many. I've seen a whole bunch. But brother, when the Holy Ghost of God moves in and begins to change that life, it's a lasting change. It's an eternal change. It's something that lasts. And, and I, I thank God that, that I don't have to lay around and and, and depend upon my goodness those Judaizers who uh, they, they were depending upon the law but 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 there's nothing but one thing that can change the life of a man and it's only the spirit of God that can bring about spiritual transformation it's only God's spirit that can make a make us change us from inside out that that again that metamorphosis that, that takes place and and again I'm getting the cart ahead of the horse you see, what the law does, the law brings about bondage. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 15 says this, For ye have not received 
the spirit of bondage again to fear. <laughs> but you have received the spirit of adoption. Hallelujah. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Amen. Whereby we can cry unto our Father just like we can cry unto our Daddy. And He'll hear us and He cares for us. The Spirit introduces life. Not only life, but the Spirit introduces liberty. Now the Lord is that Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now that, that that's a lot of mis that's misunderstood a lot of times. I got freedom, that freedom, hallelujah, I can do live any way I want to. That's not what he's telling you. Exactly. That liberty means that you're no longer in bondage. You're no longer bound up by the sins. You're no longer bound up by the law. You're no longer under the condemnation that the law brings about. That is liberty, friend, when you can think about having a, that revoked in your life and God gives you grace and it's eternal and God gives you a, a subtle thing in your life and that is forgiveness. He knows that you fail. He doesn't condemn you when you fail. Ain't that something? I don't know. I'm, I get, I get, the first of the word, I get gladder and gladder to be saved, man. I get, I, I'm telling you, it makes me, it, it, just to think about what God's done for us when He saved us and, and give us eternal life and, and what all He's paid for us and, and knowing who we are, it ought to make us all jump up and go to running laps when we think about what God's done. Giving us eternal life and not putting us under bondage. Not condemning us. As a nation, today even, Israel is spiritually blinded. Now this doesn't mean that individual Jews, as we've already said, that they can't be saved. We need to recover that same burden that Paul had. That's what we need. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's God's people. He chose them. And every time one gets born again, <laughs> that's the will of God. That's what God sent His Son for. For the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know what? Y'all know something? We're indebted to them. Hey, God didn't send Jesus through the Spanish. He didn't, send, he didn't send Jesus through the Caucasians or the blacks. And you say, that's a race thing, preacher. He sent Jesus through the Jews. Our redemption came through the Jewish nation. We're indebted to Him. Where you think you are or not, we're indebted to them. The only way to free the debt that we have to them is to share the gospel with them. The number three, and I'll be done. We've seen the national application. Let's look at the personal application. Verse number 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. 
into the same image. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Under the old covenant, only Moses, only Moses ascended to the mountain to meet with the Father. Under the new covenant, all who believe can ascend into the Holy of Holies and meet in fellowship with Him. Through Jesus, we may enter. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. The Bible said, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, hallelujah, which He hath consecrated for us through what? Through the veil. That is to say, His flesh. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying ain't no mountain climbing for us, buddy. We ain't got to climb to the top of Sinai. We can meet Him at the old-fashioned altar. We can meet Him in the backside of the pew. We can meet Him in the woods somewhere or another. We can meet Him in the bedroom. We can meet Him at the kitchen table. We can meet Him wherever we want to. He's there. Because of him. That glass that's mentioned there, that's a a mirror. And it's a symbol of the Word of God. That, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. James chapter 1, real quickly, let's go over here. I've got to be real careful. I'll be preaching what I'm going to preach Sunday night. But James chapter 1. Verse number 22. We all know this. could probably quote it. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, listen to what he said, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You see, the word changed means here to be transfigured. And I almost got it out of the got ahead of myself a while ago. It means an outside change. This word changed is a mean is the means transfigured. It means an outside change. But listen closely. It means an outside change that comes from the inside. The same word is the word metamorphosis. A change coming from within. I love the story of the, they tell about the little girl that asked her daddy. You've heard it many times. Daddy, is there any way possible that somebody as big as the Lord, as big as God, could live inside a little old me without sticking out? 
And her daddy's answer was, absolutely not. It's impossible for him to live in there and not stick out. There's that internal change that works its way to the outside. This is not achieved by keeping the law, but it's achieved by the glory of God's grace. Law can bring us to Christ, and that's what it did, thank God. Law showed us our insufficiencies. Matter of fact, Paul said this. He said, I was alive without the law once, but then the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. The law brought me to the place where I knew that I needed a Savior. The law brought me to the place where I knew I was insufficient, and I needed somebody to take my place. And God provided that when He gave us Jesus. The law can bring us to, can't bring us to Christ. It can't make us accept Christ. It can show us Christ. It can point us that way. But then grace can make us like Christ. Legalism may get you to conform to some standard, but only grace can transform you. Only grace can transform you to be like Jesus. You see, God wants us to obey not because of an, of an external code or law, but God wants us to obey because of an internal character. That God's worked on the inside of us. We're not bound to the law, but we are given account to the Word of God. One of these days, before long, the books will be opened and everyone will be judged according to the words of God. God glories in a changed life. He gets glory from a life that's been transformed. There's no better testimony in this world, Brother Mike, than to see somebody who is wrecked with sin get born again and God transform that life. Tremendous testimony. The only testimony I can think of greater than that is a testimony that somebody who's never dwelt in sin, that God still transformed and gave them eternal life. And they walk before the Lord in holiness. You see, you don't have to have a testimony that you've been down the bottom of Skid Row. You don't have to. I used to think that that's the only good testimony. But I thank God for the testimony that God will save a 12-year-old boy and pretty well keep him clean pretty well keep him out of any trouble, pretty well put, point him on the straight and narrow way, pretty well direct his past and kind of poke and prod in the, in the right way all the days of his life. Amen. Thought about the words that the Scripture said that, that the Holy Ghost said to Paul, I saw, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Go out there, Lord, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I'm glad God don't just use those pricks on lost people. I'm glad He uses on saved people also. That prick's called the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God. And I don't want to get, get on that. That's another subject. But God glories in a changed life. A life that's uh, cultivated and growing in His Word. It's not because of men that, we cha that, that these changes come, but it's because of God alone. You see, we're talking about tonight the openness of grace. The law was captured and 
and by one person, one man received. One man got the glory. One man responded to the glory. One man was, was seen as being beholding the glory of God. And all the rest of the people could do was just view the glory that he had. But folks, me and you today, we have the privilege to get with God. Our lives can change to the place where that the world can see Jesus in us. And God gets glory from our life. The openness of grace. Thank you for your kindness tonight and your attention. Appreciate any word or any question or comment on what we've looked at tonight in the word of the Lord.